1: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi.
3: Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on v the sports betting network.
4: It's always football season here at v which is why we gave y'all our NFL betting guide early. The NFL betting guide will get you set for everything this upcoming NFL season with in-depth profiles of each team including advanced stats, proven betting systems and proprietary betting trends plus best bets on season win totals, futures and props. Become a Vsin Pro subscriber today for as low as 19 bucks and you'll get our newly released NFL betting guide as well as everything we do or you can take advantage of our summer kickoff special as well that gets you set up from now through the Super Bowl for $175. Bucks. Sign up today at vcin.com slash subscribe both Michael and I as well as all of the talent and handicappers here at Vison were tasked with picking division winners, who are going to be those wildcard teams, who would win in each stage of the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. Sorry, Jim. We are talking about playoffs, even though it is only July. Why? Because as you look ahead this NFL season, Michael, there is a trend worth noting. Each of the last 33 years, at least four mm. new teams have made the yeah. playoffs in the NFL that didn't make it the year before. So... Yeah. I was going through your list today, and you actually have six new teams in the postseason this year.
2: Right. I always believe it's a fifty percent enterprise. You know that fifty percent, and as we've increased now, we're up to fourteen teams to make the playoffs, seven from each division. We only have one week of buy for the one for the number one seed. So every year there seems to be somewhere between. I know the average over thirty three years has been four, but I think over the last ten years you see almost a fifty percent turnover. Mm-hmm. So. I went with that in mind, that before I filled out my form, I'm saying, okay, who's not going to make it? Who was fortunate last year that can't duplicate their fortunes this year? And, you know, the Giants I didn't put in there. And so, you know, Minnesota, I don't think I put them in there. Mm -hmm. and, And I went through it that way. I tried to kind of process that at Miami, the same thing, because of Tua, whether he could stay healthy or not. Does that make it right? I don't know. I mean, the AFC, as I said yesterday to you, it's so hard. There's so many good teams, and injuries are going to tilt the balance of power in the AFC. The NFC, I, I didn't really want to put Detroit in there because I'm not sure they can handle the fanfare, and I'm not sold that they've improved defensively, but it almost became impossible not to put them mm-hmm. in there. I couldn't find another good team.
4: Yeah, and so let's let's start out there in the NFC because, as you mentioned, you didn't have the Giants. You didn't have the Vikings. The Bucks, I think, are an obvious one that— most people believe are going to go from first to worst in the NFC South this year. But in the NFC, um, like we both have the Panthers as a new team in. I'm sure a lot of other people have the Saints or the Falcons specifically coming out of that division. But Packers, Panthers, and Lions were the three that you had in in the NFC. I just had the Panthers and Lions. I was going with the norm. I had four teams. You had six. But I appreciate where you're coming from with the turnover. Yeah. You, and we've talked a number of times that you are a believer in the Packers as long as Jordan Love can play Decent enough yeah. at the quarterback position.
2: I think they're just undervalued, Stormy. I think that seven and a half, they're undervalued. I think people are just taking them too lightly. Like, all the all the positivity has left Green Bay and gone to uh, New York and Florham Park. You know, it was interesting. I was preparing for the show this morning, and Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers, de facto general manager, de facto man in charge of all things Green Bay, uh, said he's anxious to see what uh, his former t- players on the Jet team this summer on Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. And I, it led people to believe that the decision that the Jets will be on Hard Knocks based on Murphy's comments uh, that indicate the Jets will be the team. We shall see. But I think they're undervalued. I think the last five games of the season, their defense played really well when they're healthy. When Jarr Alexander's out there, I think they've made significant improvements to their team defensively. They're young but they have experience on defense. And then offensively, you know, I'm counting on Watson to become back a player, Romeo Dobbs to come in there. And, and obviously they are two great running backs and Dylan and Aaron Jones to make a major contribution. I, I just don't think this, I think they're the best defense in the North and like everything, I'm going to build it off of defense. If you're the best defense, you should be the best team.
4: What led you to knock the giants out this year of playoff contention?
2: Well, I think the Giants are going to have a hard time duplicating what they did last year. And you saw it the second half of the season, right? So the first half of the season, they kind of caught people by storm and by surprise, actually. And so they, they played a game very close to the vest. They managed Daniel Jones really well, you know, and they and they played it so that, you know, they're going to run the ball, keep the game close, get it to the fourth quarter, win it there. Second half of the season, when you break down the second half of the season, they beat they beat a bad Houston team and Houston never punted in the second half right so Houston doesn't even put this is coming off the bye they're seven and two that got them seven and two they get they get trounced by the Lions they get trounced by the Cowboys they tie the commanders it's not even a game against Philadelphia mm-hmm. you know and then they're able to go into Washington and beat Washington who didn't have a quarterback they lose to Minnesota that was an iffy game going back and forth and then they end the year at Indianapolis, which wasn't a very tough opponent. So they basically finished the second half of the season with three wins and a tie. And so, like, people caught up to him. And I think because of the limitations offensively by their quarterback, inability to throw the ball down the field, you know, he's got to be the six-back runner. They have to run an offense where Daniel Jones is a ball carrier. Can he do that? Can he handle that role and stay healthy? I don't know. I think it's really hard to duplicate that. And as I've said many times about Daniel Jones, when it gets to third down and the game speeds up, that's when he struggles. It's a little bit like Ryan Tannehill. It doesn't move fast enough. They're 22nd in the league in third down offense. I think it's going to be hard for him. Look, you know, when you average when you average under seven yards per attempt, like the Giants did last year, 6.6 total, you're not making any explosive plays down the field you're not making any of them. And even though they had five game-winning drives during the season, I don't know if you can duplicate that again.
4: Yeah, and for a team again that just largely exceeded expectations, it's almost the natural thing to have there be a little bit of regression with a tougher schedule coming into this year as well. Um so again to recap in the NFC, out for Michael Lombardi, the Giants, Vikings and Bucks. I had the Giants and Bucks out. And in the Packers, Lions, and Panthers, and I, too, am really bullish on this Panthers team. You think from week seven on, they were fifth. They had the fifth best rushing attack in the NFL, and that's after trading Christian McCaffrey, which to me is significant. Their offensive line came on the back half of the season. Defense, I think, could take a step, and I just really like the infrastructure and the coaching staff that's going to be surrounding their new rookie quarterback and Bryce Young. So lots of reason for optimism, I think, for Carolina then in the AFC Michael and what I've noticed with these is we have some we had a lot of overlap in the NFC the AFC things a little bit different here out in the AFC for you you kicked out the Ravens Jags and Chargers replace them with the Browns Titans and Patriots
2: well the reason I took the Titans because I think there's only going to be one team from the south and So I picked the Titans, and really because I think the Titans, once again, are being undervalued. Because when you break down the Titans team, I mean, they were playing well until Tannehill got hurt, and they started losing some players on defense. And then they had to go and try to play, you know, the second half of the season. They had to try to win games without a quarterback, and that's after the Green Bay game. They went on that losing streak where they couldn't Mm -hmm. move the football effectively you know, they had a game 88 yards passing against the Texans. They threw for 157 against the Chargers. And and those are close games. I mean, they're they're almost going to win those games. So I just think Rabel, I think this offensive line will improve this year with Skronsky as the, the draft pick. And they've signed Andre Dillard to play left tackle. I think their defense is good enough to carry them. So I put them in there. And I think Jacksonville – You know, you have to take somebody. I just don't think there'll be two. Jacksonville was a hard team for me to keep out because I do think they could get in there, but the scheduling might affect them being a first-place schedule. And then in the AFC East, I I like New England's defense. I think they're undervalued as well. Seven and a half wins for New England. With their defense as good as they played, considering last year they could have easily added three more wins had they just managed games differently and not turned the ball over. Again, you are what your record says it is. So I kind of went through that, and I just feel like when I got done doing the exercise, I felt like whoever I leave out in the AFC, I'm going to regret, right? Like, (laughs) if if Miami stays healthy all year and they play good defense and don't give up the big plays and play cover zero and Jalen Ramsey plays to the level he's capable of playing, they they should make it, but I don't know. There's a lot of ifs in that one.
4: Mm -hmm. And I did – so that's – I bumped the Dolphins this year – Just exclusively for the thought process that I really have a rough time getting on board of the Tua train when it comes to health. And if he does have injuries derail his season, I'm not sure I can trust Mike White in that position. So especially knowing how successful that Tua was in that offense last year when he was available on the field, I think it's going to be a significant drop-off. What about this one? Last 30 seconds. Will there be a first-time Super Bowl winner? Plus 190 on the yes. Teams available. Browns, Lions, Texans, Jags. Bills, Bengals, Vikings, Panthers, Falcons, Chargers, Titans, Cardinals. Will one of those teams win the Super Bowl?
2: Well, I had the Bengals winning it, so I I would say yes on that. That's what I put on my team. I had the Bengals winning it. And at some point, Joe Burrow's going to win one. So you're going to cash that ticket at some point.
4: You'll love to see it. Plus 190 this year, minus 235 to the no we're gonna take a quick break here on the Lombardi line but we'll keep the NFL talk rolling when we return there's an interesting article that came out from ESPN's Dan Graziano listing out 10 of the most intriguing NFL players in his mind leading into this next NFL year for those of us are any of these names bettable potentially given their current situations we'll take a look
3: This is the Lombardi Line with
0: former NFL
3: executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: Attention, BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Well, here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account, click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state as you that you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, you'll both receive a $50 bonus. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions subject to qualification, eligibility requirements, rewards, issued is not withdrawal bonus bets bonus bets expire in 30 days gambling problem called 1-800 gambler promotional offer not available in mississippi and nevada rolling along here on the lombardi line got a little gm corner here michael uh as we welcome yeah. in Randy Mueller, former NFL general manager as well with the Dolphins and Saints and Executive of the year. award winner covers the league as an analyst and writer for the athletic as well as the current director of player personnel for the Seattle Sea Dragons in the XFL. So while a lot of us have some downtime in the offseason doesn't sound like you do my friend.
3: Well it's good to be with you guys. I still find a little time to do a little fishing out here in Idaho so it's a it's a good time. I'm starting to get excited about the NFL cranking up again that's for sure.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt, Randy. I know you just recently wrote a piece where you kind of went through every team and and kind of picked out some things that, that could make that team better or what you see as a weakness. And there's so many good teams in the AFC. Stormy and I were talking about it earlier. Is, is there a team in the AFC that you think we've overrated or underrated?
3: Well, I think the obvious for the overrated part, Mike, is the Big Apple New York Jets, right? I mean, they are getting <laughs> – they are having bouquets sent to them. They they are already in the Super Bowl. So I think there's a lot of water that's got to go under the bridge. And you know how it is. A team built on paper is one thing, but to manage that team throughout the season, the ups and downs, and now we see maybe uh you know the HBO crew moving in, they they may have some issues to deal with. And and it's hard. I mean, you're gonna have bad weeks, you're gonna have injuries. I just don't know how they're equipped yet. I haven't seen enough to say, hey, these guys are equipped for all the up and downs. So I think there's a little bit of, a, of an overrated spike there. I think the underrated teams are, are a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to be decent. I think they've done a really good job at kind of retooling on the fly. I have a lot of faith in Mike Tallman. They get a big offensive tackle. They get a tight end. Kenny Pickett's coming back with the second year, and I think we see a lot of teams improve with a rookie quarterback in year two. So I think the Steelers are a little bit undervalued, from, in my opinion.
4: Randy, I think that's a great point, too, because that's a team that hasn't been on the tip of the tongue for a lot of folks out there when we're previewing this NFL season. When it comes to the Steelers specifically and their win total sitting at eight and a half, like we talk so much about how Mike Tomlin has this history of always having at 500 or more seasons year in and year out. I'm wondering if they can get over that mark again this season in year two of Kenny Pickett and some of the progress that they've made in the offseason.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're on to it, and I, I would tend to agree. I think they're going to be a 9- or 10-win team. Now, I know they're in a tough division. I get it. I know the Cincinnati's been on a roll. Uh, I still don't know if we have enough information on Cleveland to even sort out what they have there. They've they've kind of been irrelevant the last couple of years, to be honest with you. But I do think I have faith in Mike Tomlin. I have faith in Kenny Pickett a lot. But I was one of those, and I understand not everybody was, but I was one of those guys that was drinking the Kool-Aid with Kenny Pickett. I think the one thing that bothers me with them is he missed time on two different occasions last year with a head injury. And so that durability factor factors in. I do think they want to get back to running the ball. I guess Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator is yet to put the running game from paper onto the field and that's a little bit concerning for me. But I think Mike Tomlin's going to impose his will that we have to run the ball. I think talking about it's one thing, but The actions have to be there for them, and I think that helps Kenny Pickett as well. But I do think the Steelers are a good play, and I think they'll be uh, on the tip of everybody's tongue once people see that they are committed to running the ball.
2: Yeah, I I don't disagree. I mean, I think it was a masterful coaching job by Tomlin last year. He never would have won Coach of the Year. He was my Coach of the Year last year for winning. You know, having more wins than the Browns, when on paper he didn't have the more talented team, it's just remarkable yep. what he brings every single year from that team. But I know you're in the Northwest, and I I am really intrigued by Seattle this season. I think you know they showed so much improvement last year. Starting two rookie tackles, you and I both know, Randy. Start two rookie tackles at left and right tackle might be the hardest thing to ever do in the league, and yet they got away with it, and their offense was effective. So. What's your view? Can Seattle catch San Francisco, or do you think they're going to have to be another year removed?
3: Well, I don't know about catching San Francisco because I think San Francisco's defense is at a different level. But I'll say this: the rest of that division, I don't have a lot of faith in. I don't see the Rams, you know, being the Rams that that Sean McVay is used to having. And we all know Arizona is probably in for a long year. I think two things with regard to the. Seahawks that they don't get enough credit about I think Pete Carroll and, and we all know that head coaches have to fix the area that is their area of expertise he has found ways to fix a defense the last two or three years that after the first month of the season and even in this week six and seven was a total debacle and he figured out a way to fix it so I have faith that he will make the defense better uh, I think their front seven is still a little bit in 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 transition they've got to find a way to to beef it up a little bit where people don't don't run the ball right down the throat, so I'm worried about that. But I think on, on most people's narrative, the big thing about the Seahawks is what are they going to get with Geno Smith? Obviously, we know they signed him to a deal. It's a three-year deal now, may end up being a shorter deal. But Geno Smith showed signs last year of being really good, but people in the Northwest kind of gloss over. There's a couple games in there where he was the old Geno. And so they've got to have their fingers crossed now that they're going to get a more consistent, uh, effort and a consistent performance over 17 games, uh, and it can't be hit or miss for them to have any chance to catch the 49ers. I think the 49ers, like I say, are in a class on their own, but that doesn't mean that the Seahawks won't have a chance to make the playoffs, at, in my opinion, as a wild card team.
4: Former general manager and executive of the year in the NFL, Randy Mueller, joining us here on the Lombardi line. And one of the big changes this offseason from a coaching standpoint was the addition of Sean Payton going out there to Denver and tasked with whether or not he can quote unquote fix Russell Wilson in the offensive situation that we saw on the field last year. Are, Are you a believer that Payton can come up in here and overhaul that offense the way we expected it to show up a season ago?
3: Well, I don't think they have any any reason to not be a little better. I don't think they can be any worse, Stormy. Yeah. As we all know, it was a dumpster fire all complete all year long. So I think Sean, in my opinion, was the one guy that they could turn to and hire to have him immediately walk in the door and say, hey, without saying a word, I'm the new sheriff. This is not going to be Russell's game. It's not going to be his team. We're not going to have offices and extra coaches and all this stuff. Sean cleaned that out right away. So yes, to answer your question, I do think they'll be better. I think offensively they'll have a little better plan. Hey, they spent 30 million average per year signing two offensive linemen to that offense, and that's going to help them run the ball. I think Sean does not understand that for Russell to do what he was famous for doing, they have to have a running game. They haven't had that last year, and they got to get better play out of the offensive line. So they signed Mike McGlinchey right. from the 49ers. They signed West Bower, the Bowers kid, an offensive guard from. Baltimore. So they have beefed up their offensive line. I think it's been all about messaging this offseason for Denver. They have found accountability, or at least they're implying accountability, so that everybody works from the same deck and they all have to be on the same page and they're all going to be held accountable. And I think Sean was the perfect guy to do that because of his track record, because of the skins he had on the wall. He could walk in without saying a word and say, Hey, enough of what we've had last year. This is the way it's going to be this year. And the guys have to listen.
2: Yeah, Randy, real quick, we got about two minutes left. Miami, I know you wrote about the AFC East. Miami, where are you? Is it all predicated on Tua's health?
3: Well, I think it has been, but I'll say this, and again, this is just my opinion, Mike. I'm bigger on Mike White. I think the backup mm-hmm. quarterback there has an opportunity to, to get them through a period if they do lose Tua for two or three weeks. Uh, I, I've said all along, and I think you have too, it's it's not Tua's skill set, it's the durability factor of the pocket's not for everybody. Taking these hits is not for everybody. That's why these guys get fifty million a year. But they've, I think, have protected themselves by getting the former Jet, Mike White, who I think is an undervalued player and a, a guy that can start for a period of time and be effective. And I, so, I think that helps them. We all know the explosiveness they have on offense. And I'll be honest, I don't think they're done. I think they could even sign a a, a guy like Dalvin Cook still to help them. But it's a defense that's got to be more consistent. And they've got to find a way to keep Tua upright, but not, again, it's not all or nothing with Tua because of the addition of Mike White.
2: Awesome stuff, Randy. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Awesome job. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Catch some fish, Randy, will you? Enjoy the lake. (laughs) Thank you.
4: I love that. Catch some fish. I've... I, um,
2: well, one of the great—he pla- lives in one of the great places in America. If you've never been to Quarter Lane, Idaho, there's a lake there, Quarter Lane Lake. He, Randy is from the Pacific Northwest. He, he's had a home there, so yeah, it's just absolutely gorgeous up there.
4: Idaho is like a sneaky underrated state with yeah, some of the very lakes sneaky. and mountainous areas. It's really beautiful. And out the
2: difference there. between the north and the south is is so different too. You know, Sun Valley down in the south, and then Quarter Lane up in the north.
4: We're going to take a quick break more Lombardi line hour 2 after this.
3: Let's go! This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on FSN, the sports betting network.
4: We're rocking and rolling on a Sunday morning. Thanks for joining us on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi out there in Jersey. I'm Stormy Bonantoni holding it down at our VSIN studio at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. We, over the last two days, reached triple digit heat here in Vegas for the first time this summer. Still not as hot, Michael, though, as some of what's going down in the NBA, these free wow. agent deals. Wasn't that smooth?
2: Yeah, it's so good, Stormy. Really, uh, you know, for as early Sunday morning as it is, I mean, you're just on top of your game. You got to love it. Fourth of July weekend, you don't miss a beat. You know, filled in for Femi yesterday. It's just all good, right? I mean, I'm here for the we're team. Almost close to. That's right. Amazing. You know, you are truly a wee player. You sacrifice for the good of the team.
4: So kind, Michael. Just trying to provide the good vibes for us all on a Sunday morning. Yeah. I also, I saw something so interesting. I don't know if you'll care about this at all, so we'll see. That uh, one of the more interesting headlines I read over the weekend was that Tom Selleck was actually supposed to be the original Indiana Jones, and my mind was blown. Wow. These are the things I'm thinking about on a Sunday morning.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's that's unbelievable. That didn't. That wouldn't fit for me. Would you know? That just I see Tom Selleck in that mustache and. <laughs> You know, I, I see him. You know, kind of like I can't picture that, right? I can picture Harrison Ford. It'd be like somebody else playing Dr. Richard Kimball in in the, in the movie The Fugitive. Like I see Harrison Ford in that role. Like it's just kind of hard yeah. how you get it in your head, you know. But maybe back then, you know, it might have looked differently. Like some of these roles, it's it's interesting. We talk about blown draft picks. Some of these actors that just miss on hit on movies they don't play in, right? Well, it's like they turned that down?
4: I guess he, which I mean, speaking to the mustache, he turned it down because he was gonna be starring in Magnum P.I., which is kind of how the mustache became so famous. So it it all goes hand in hand like that. By the way, Harrison Ford, this He's 80 years old. Let's stop making him do action films. He doesn't need to still be Indiana Jones. We can take a step back now. you got to love it, though. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I appreciate it for sure. But I just thought that was fine.
2: Have you seen the Indiana Jones, the new one yet? I have not. No. Have you? No, I have not. I don't think I've been to a movie in forever. So, Mm. uh, you know, I was going to go see the Nike movie, but then it came out on Amazon, so I didn't have to watch it. The great George Ravelin got credit in that, which I was very happy about. So... No, I, it's been a while.
4: Yeah, I thought that was great. Speaking of basketball, it is time for what's on Michael's mind. Yeah, and I know, my mind. Yes, and I know today a lot that's on your mind has to do with Mr. Dame Lillard and his situation.
2: You know, these are always kind of conversations that the media loves. And, you know, remember years ago when Kevin Love wanted to be traded and everybody thought that they should trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love? Do you remember this? And Jerry West then was assisting the Golden State Warriors as an advisor. And he basically kiboshed that. He said, there's no way we're trading Kevin Love for that. So, you know, he's older and all those things. And, of course, Clay went on to have this incredible season. And that trade never happened. But, you know, for me, Dame Lillard is really a good player. The guy averaged 32 mm-hmm. points. I mean, he increased his point production last year by 8 points. Now he took he took more three-pointers than he ever has taken in his career. The team wasn't very good. The ball was in his court. You know, he played 58 games, which would not have qualified under the new system for any postseason awards. But he's going to add a dimension and he's got a huge contract and by the time he's 37 it's going to cost you 60 million. But the NBA is all about today, right? So teams will be willing to give up young assets for a great player like Dame is. And so if you read the quote and I thought to me this is more important than anything, it's what what the, the general manager Cronin said at Portland now he's got the backing of Judy he's got the backing of Judy uh, Allen, former the, the sister of Paul Allen, the former owner, is he said, we've been clear we want Dame here. But he notified us today that he wants out, and he'd prefer to play someplace else. What, what has not changed for us is that we're committed to winning, and we're going to do what's best for the team in pursuit of that goal. And since Dame doesn't have a no-trade clause, Dame's really at the mercy of where it, mm-hmm. what the best deal is. Like, they don't have to take Miami scraps to get this. And he wants to play in Miami. He would consider playing in San Antonio. I mean, he's a big culture guy. He wants to go somewhere where he feels he can be part of it. I think this is going to be a little bit more difficult than just, okay, he's going to go and they're going to trade Kyle Lowry and that's going to be it. I think this is going to involve a lot more pieces to operate, and it wouldn't surprise me if some team out of somewhere else that has a bunch of assets makes a trade for Dame.
4: My only real follow-up to that thought process, and I do agree, I, I don't think that Miami – is going to be able to put together the proper type of a trade package that's going to be attractive enough for Portland, unless they get another team involved, unless they're able to really maneuver some stuff. But also, from an organizational standpoint and the relationship that they've had so long-standing with Dame, he has been such an important piece of what they do over the last 11 seasons, spent the entirety of his career there. It almost felt like a game of chicken figuring out Who was going to say we want to trade him or I want to be traded because neither one of them really wanted to be the bad guy in this situation but finally came down to it and Dame made the commitment saying that I want to move on from this and I don't want to be a part of a situation where we're rebuilding with a young team, which he had made perfectly clear for a long time, right? And then when you draft Scoot Henderson and take that step forward and say, that's the way that you're going to go, the writing was very much so on the wall. But because of that relationship, Michael, I just wonder if even though he has the no trade clause, if they, as an organization that has known and trusted and relied on Damian Lillard for so long, if they'd be willing to wheel and deal a little bit more on his behalf because of that, or if you're just like, no, this is business at the end of the day and we're going to do what's best for us, you're out of here.
2: Well, you're an asset. I don't know how you could do it. You know, they made some bad trades under the former general manager, Neil Olsay, you know, where they traded. I mean, they sent Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers and they got back Eric Bledsoe, Justin Winslow, and Keon Johnson. That didn't work out. And then remember the trade? They sent C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance to Jr. to the Pelicans and they've got back you know, Josh Hart and Nikolai Alexander-Walker and a bunch of other players, I mean, that didn't work out either. So I, I think they really have to be careful here. I think they have to spend their – their if they're going to use their asset, they got to get the most back for it. And I think that's a concern. Now, people are laughing at the grant contract. How could they pay that much for grant? Five
4: years, $160 million.
2: I, You know, so I wouldn't put it past them. You know, I wouldn't put it past them. But I, I just think to me – You've got to do what's best for your team, especially since he doesn't have a no-trade clause. Because what's he going to do, walk away from $200 million? From
4: the betting, st- do? From the betting standpoint, um, it seems like folks have really jumped on Miami. I know when we were talking to Thomas Gable, who, by the way, will join us in about 25 minutes or so as well here on the Lombardi line today. But we were asking if any numbers had moved. And he said, you know, there are people buying in on Miami with the thought process that maybe Dame could come here. Now with the trade request official, we have seen a significant move in that number for Miami in and in, in the NBA title odds from 16 to 1 down to 9 to 1. The thought being that Him teaming up with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, being a part of that heat culture, as you referenced with Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley would be a great, I mean, a perfect fit on paper, certainly. But again, it's whether or not Miami is able to give the proper compensation to make a deal like that happen. Some other teams that you mentioned, um, I know the 76ers are in the mix. We've seen the Brooklyn Nets name out there, but San Antonio, one name that you said specifically, and... Uh, the, my big question about that, while yes, from a culture standpoint, and we know the outward respect he has for a guy like Greg Popovich, and they just bring in Victor Wembanyama in the draft, who's going to be a generational talent, but that's just another young team. Would you go from young team to young team? Like, wouldn't you think they'd try to at least help him out from that standpoint?
2: Yeah, I, I do, but, you know, I mean, they could be a young team who could get good in a hurry. I mean, they have so many, they have all their draft picks from 2024 to 30, right? So they could do pick swaps. They could do a bunch of other things. They've got Charlotte's uh, top-round first-round pick, which is uh, top-14 protected. And they also have a flop with Toronto. So they've got a bunch of of, uh, first-round picks. they got an unprotected Atlanta first-round pick in 2025 – They've got a top twenty in uh, 2025. They have Chicago's unprotected first rounder, you know, and so 27. They have Atlanta's unprotected. They've got a lot of assets. Whereas like Philadelphia has no draft picks, right? They have no draft picks, so they can't put that in there. Miami's assets are kind of a, a little bit limited too. They they owe Oklahoma City a top a first round pick that becomes a second if it's if it if it's not top if it's outside of the 14th. If it's, in, it's if it's inside the 14th and then they have their picks in 28, 29 and 30 but you're hard to trade because you can't trade consecutive ones. so I, I just think to me the teams that want them don't have a lot of assets and I think if you're if you've made as many bad trades as Portland has made over time and if you just study those trades, you can't make another bad deal.
4: Very fair, valid point. Where things sit right now in the NBA title odds, and I, I know I said Miami sixteen to one and nine to one. It's even bet down even more now eight to one to win the NBA title. But the Denver Nuggets, your favorite to repeat at plus four seventy five. The Boston Celtics, with the addition of Kristaps Porzingis a couple weeks back, five to one. Suns six to one. Bucks seven to one. They're bringing a lot of people back. And then there's Miami, the
2: Lakers, and Warriors. Um, I mean, the Lakers at eleven to one. I got it. That that is an incredible number right now. I mean, I don't think people, I know, you know, people say, well, they signed D'Angelo Russell back. How good can that be? The Lakers are going to be, now, they got to keep the two guys healthy. But, you know, I mean, Jackson Hayes, they signed to play backup center. I mean, they've kind of covered their team at 11 to 1. And if those guys are healthy come next April and May, that's a pretty good number right there.
4: No, I agree with you. And health is always going to be priority number one when it comes to a guy like Anthony Davis. And, of course, their aging star, LeBron James. But the issue with the Suns in having these marquee stars but not having depth, the Lakers don't have that problem. They have depth all around. They're two primary stars. So um, I think that we talked about it in the opening block of the show today, but they did a really, really good job of, like Rob Polinka has of bringing back so many marquee pieces, especially I think Austin Reeves, who is so critical um, that second half of the season when they really turned it on defensively and moved their season around. But him, Rui Hachimura, you bring in Gabe Vincent from Miami. I think a lot of good things could be on the horizon for the Los Angeles Lakers. Quick break back to the NFL. When we return our VEASAN NFL betting guide just came out this past week.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.